An uplifter is a compelling leader who tries to breathe life and hope into people around them. Who listen and care and guide and help. Whose way of being in the world inspires. Who uplifts with humor and understanding. Who leads by example. Don't judge. Vulnerable. Bold determination. Who are here to create a better world. Who can learn and teach. Who encourages you. Who shines their light to lead other people. Who uses their best self in order to help others. And the life that I like and I work toward that. We are all uplifters. Mwah. Big love. Welcome to the Uplifters Podcast. I'm your host, Aranza Savas, and today I am joined by one of the uplifting women in my life. Kim Williams is the founder of Bushwick Grind, a coffee shop in the neighborhood of Bushwick, Brooklyn, very near my house. And Kim and I met a lifetime or two ago when we were both working at the same company and showing up nine to five. Raising our little children, Kim's oldest is now 21, and we both had elementary school children when we met. And we're both women really committed to being good and to following the path that was expected of us. And somewhere along the line, we both found a thirst in us to not just do what was expected, but to really, truly do what we wanted and felt we needed to do for our our total well-being. And watching Kim's journey unfold, watching the intention she has brought to her journey and the impact that has resulted from that has been so inspiring to me on my own journey. And so I am so thrilled to share with you my friend, Kim Williams. Hi. (laughs) I was just going to say, we were all good. We were doing what was good. And somewhere along the line, we went bad. Mm. (laughs) Maybe a little of that too. Maybe a little of that too. Exactly. (laughs) It's good to be bad sometimes. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored. So beautiful, wonderful, Kim. When did you first sense that maybe you wanted to do something beyond the box of showing up nine to five and working within the walls of a company? I think I showed up at the company over 24 in the 24 and a half years that I did at the company with that mindset. Like I always was a hustler. I had my first job at 13 years old and it was a full time job. I sold windows and home improvements at 13 years old as a telemarketer. Ask me anything about insulated windows. I totally can tell you anything that you need to know. But I think I always had that mindset, but then I also had the mindset of stability. I think like just like thinking about the future and planning for the future, you think like that's secured path. So while having my side hustles, which today like that's really popular, but you know, while having those side hustles, I also, I, my primary responsibility and I took very, very seriously 
was that nine to five, which was never now, you know, was never nine to five for us. Like we would be first ones in, last ones out. I, like you mentioned my 21 year old son, I literally went into labor with him in the office. Like my same amniotic fluids are <laughs> <laughs> uh, like embedded in that place. You know, I remember there was a ridiculous snowstorm once and I was the only one in the office and I was like, eight months pregnant. So it was never nine to five for us. We always did that push and pull and gave it the all. And I guess to answer your question, at one point I did start thinking, okay, the employee that I am for this company would be an amazing CEO for my own company. You know, like the give that I'm giving and I'm going to keep always giving so for almost eight years, I did both, you know, opening, uh, we didn't chat about it yet, but having the restaurant and the full-time career. But prior to that, I was always doing something, throwing events. I remember when I was in my early 20s, every Christmas, I did this Christmas, what they call now like artists and fleas, but I would rent out the Knights of Columbus and would get any artists that I know to buy a table from me. And they would sell their like paintings and crafts and all those things. You know, I don't, it, it, so it was always in there, but the level of commitment to be like all into something else while being all into the day job to the secure quote unquote, which should have been a secure job happened about 10 years ago. And I think you were one of the first person I told. I remember on the roof, rooftop of our office, I was like, I got to tell you what I have in mind. And you were like, do it. <laughs> I was. And then I remembered, I remember watching your face light up talking about coffee producers. And I was like, oh, she's got a calling. It's obnoxious. I had watched you work with such commitment to positive outcomes. And that was as a result of your curiosity and your ethic. And I'd never seen your face light up the way I saw it light up when you talked about these different people manufacturing coffee beans and going to tour these different roasters and just immersing yourself in this world that was exciting to you. And so when I saw that light inside you, I was like, oh, this is no mere flirtation, baby. This is love. Yeah. I mean, I definitely fell in love with the science of coffee. So my husband and I, uh, let me put some respect on his name, Raymond Davis. He's amazing. He is. And not just because he has excellent taste in women. <laughs> and he was also a very early choice in life. I met him when I was 15 years old and we've been together every day ever since. Long story short, my son wanted to come to one of the schools in the five boroughs at the time I was living in Long Island and working in Manhattan. And he wanted to get into one of the seven specialized schools. New York City has amazing schools. So I was like, all right. But we had a home in Brooklyn that we just had for rental property, but we never imagined living here. And we made a deal with him. If you can get into the school, you can apply because we have a home there. So you're eligible to go to any of these schools. So he worked so hard. He studied and took the specialized tests. And when we saw the statistics, it was like 15,000 kids was applying in only 300 seats. So my husband and I was like, we don't have to worry about this. Which Long Island school is he going, you know, like, let's get to it tuition ready. But the boy got in, we held true to our word to him and thought we would move to Brooklyn just for like 
the four years he was in high school, pursuing his dreams. And when we got here, we just saw the need to have a business. We saw like the rapid gentrification and we're like, if we don't do it now and we want the optics, we want our communities to, to see people of color being able to open up businesses in this very fastly gentrified area, thinking daycare centers, senior home, like all these different things. And then I used to be in coffee shops. I'm a runner, so I would run to coffee sh- places and I would just sit there and jot my ideas. And then I would be like, I don't really see too many faces of color here. So I started researching coffee. I went to Portland, Oregon, did a lot of my training there, visited and interviewed many, many roasteries. I just learned that all the coffee we drink in the world come from black and brown countries. If you are uh, the culture of coffee farms and if you are born on a coffee farm, you are likely going to be a coffee farmer. The women in those countries have very little access to education, reproductive health care. So a lot of these, some of these roasters that I found was doing profound work in right-sizing the price of coffee in our country. So it was not pennies on the dollar and digging water wells and bringing education and women wellness. So I'm like, I'm down. So yes, the front end of what we see is a coffee shop or a cafe, but there's so much going on in the back end. So I was all in. That all in for me is, it's the difference between the people who truly go after their dreams and the people who flirt with them. Yeah. I think it takes a lot of courage to go all in. And especially because you were maintaining that old stability life while building this new dream. Yeah. And you stayed all in on the stability stuff. I didn't watch anything change from my side there. But I watched all of this add on. And maybe it's kind of like when you have more children and you're like, I didn't know that (laughs) my love could grow. But your capacity seemed to just grow because of your passion. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. But that's a fact. I loved my job. And quite frankly, my career was actually doing quite well. So I, I still was all in with that. Only way I could explain it is that God stretched the hours. Knowing the other job so well and loving it so much allowed me to maybe manage that both things well. We talk about this all the time. How is it possible that I don't have more time? Now that I'm only doing the one thing, the more time, the more you spend it, I guess. I think people get really scared by what I think of as a time scarcity mindset. And so many of the reasons we don't go after the dreams is, oh, I just don't have enough time. Whether it's I want to get fit or I want to start a business or I want to write a book or I want to go back to college. I don't have enough time. And I just have watched time and time again, women prove that that's not true. Yeah. That we actually have considerably more spaciousness and ability than we think. And especially when the things that we're doing are complementary. So everything you were learning about technology in one job was serving the other and everything you were learning about service and one job was serving the other, right? And so there was this symbiotic relationship that actually created more time too. And and so I do, I want us to just sort of reinforce for people that you're you're amazing. There's no doubt about it, but you are not an anomaly, that we all have more capacity than we think we do. And I'm not saying like, let's push ourselves to burnout, but it's okay to try going after your dream. It's okay to lean into it. 
and then reassess based on some real information whether or not it's a fit for your life. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, time is a currency. Yes. And uh, it's the highest commodity there is. The richest man in the world can't buy themselves more time. The smartest person can't figure out how to get more time. Like time is the most important currency. If there's something you want to do and you're not doing it because you don't think you have the time now, there will be a time that you have no more time at all right? Like it will end for all of us. So think about how you would feel if you never did it. You know, so how much of saying, I don't have time to pursue these goals or these dreams is how much of that is reality or is it fear of not doing it? But the thing is, time will run out for all of us. Kind of like the Nike commercial, you just do it. Time was stretched for me. Like you said, it's complementary, it's symbiotic. While you're working on one thing, you're doing another. And sometimes the things that you're looking to do because it's new and you're pursuing a goal is so passionate for you that you'll do it faster than you think you would. Mm -hmm. In your planning, it might say that this will take you 10 hours. And because of your creative juices flowing, it might take an hour or two. So the thing is, you just do it. And if I had a dollar for everyone who told me I had had a fully vetted, well-out business plan, it is to me like I am no business expert. I have many testimonials of not just me, of others. You can write it as you go along if you feel it's needed for funding. Sometimes those documents are just needed for funding, but you can't plan the unforeseen. You can't plan the gut reaction. You can't plan the guttural knowing of what to do, how to react, how to pivot. No business plan in the world would have had COVID on it. Exactly. No business plan in the world would have had a family, a parent passing away or a child being accepted into heart. Like all these things are void of your business plan already. So I think you should have a purpose and that purpose be more emphasized. Don't let someone convince you that you need to have a fully vetted, baked in business plan. Have a plan, write it down, make it clear. That's one thing, but that's not, shouldn't be like a dissertation that's going to take you weeks and weeks and weeks because that sometimes is the thing that's just a non-starter for people. Mm -hmm. I will boil down what you just said in two words. I believe that the Kim Williams approach is in essence, trust and truth. And I say trust because it is this trust that there is enough time, this will work out. And it is a trust that you will follow the breadcrumbs. Because like you said, you could not have anticipated COVID. And yet, as I've followed along with your business trajectory, you were able to translate that really devastating market impact into something full of potential that you could have never planned for. And then when I say truth, to me, even though you haven't explicitly said it, you've referred back to it 10 different ways. It is integrity for you. You walked into this with a vision for a community, for something that cultivated connection and empowerment. And you've done the same thing in your marriage. You've done the same thing in the way you describe your parenting style. And so it is, it's it's this integrity. 
across everything. And, and you're making choices from the same central truths. And so to me, like everything just comes back to those two words. Let's talk about what happened for you during COVID. You had to shut the restaurant down. Yeah. We actually closed a little bit before COVID because we flooded. Most people would have just walked away, but there was just something in me that, again, you can't plan that said, just do the repairs. And that was, it was not insured. I had to fund it out of my own pocket. Um, but I really did. I loved the space so much. And I really did, did believe that the space had a purpose other than just making the donuts. And at that point, we had already been open, I don't know, maybe like four years or so, a little over four years. And I've seen the stories, the babies being born, the first dates. I had somebody send me a picture, a hand drawing of this front of the shop. And I'm like, oh, what is this? He's like, my husband gave this to me because this is where we had our first date. I'm just like, well, what happens to those moments? Like, do they just not happen anymore? Like, it's not about the brick and the mortar. It's about the souls and the spirits inside of there. So I really was drawn to come back. But of course, now that's when they announced you had to be fully closed because it was a full food establishment. So I started using the space for small home-based businesses. I was able to pivot in a very, very different way and start using our space for pop-ups. Again, symbiotic things happened. I bid for a contract and I secured a contract with the Department of Health, New York City Department of Health a half a million dollar contract. And we fed all the vaccine sites. I catered the World Trade Center, which was such an honor. We were hired by Adidas to cater the Rucker All-Star Game last summer. We catered Gracie Mansion for Mayor Adams. We've catered Goldman Sachs so many times. So, you know, it's, it's gotten pretty dope. And like you said, you never could have planned this. And I think maybe that is the one of the big lessons for us to all take from this is again going back to trust okay i'm not going to know all the answers i couldn't possibly conceive of not only what could be but also really understanding where we're needed because for you the the context kept shifting certainly but then also what little sparks caught fire has been such a surprise. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. Yeah. And the thing is, I would never say no to things. Like there's been things like would come up and I'm like, I don't have the inventory for it. But yes, we can do that. We'll be there. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Going back to like talking ourselves out of things because we don't have time because that's just another element of it. Like I could have easily been like, oh, I have my full-time job, the kids, the ri-. like, I don't have time to do a contract. How am I going to do that? It's just leading with the yes and then figuring it out. It's that. And I think it is a, if there's a time abundance mindset that you've cultivated, there's also a learning abundance mindset. And so instead of being afraid of, well, I don't know how to do that. I don't have the inventory for that. Saying, yes, I'll figure out how to get the inventory for that. I'll figure out how to be successful there. And that all stems from your essence. Thank you. That's sweet. I've also tried to take on the mastery of convincing people to order what I have in inventory. Ooh, smart. <laughs> I've done that a time or two. Like, <laughs> it became a special. So maybe the question there, it had that became a special. I always wondered if restaurants did that. But I, I also think though that, that sort of fundamental question is 
well, how can I be successful? Right? Like you, you were setting up the systems and the, again, the context to allow yourself to be successful. You know, and the funny thing is I wouldn't even deem myself now successful. Like I, to be, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm honest, if I'm honest, I still feel like I'm in hustle mode. And thank you for that honesty. Yeah. I still, and I feel like, you know, maybe my benchmark of success is a little less of the hustle and things being more automated and needing me less and me being able to scale. Like I would have thought eight years in, I would have at least had two locations by now. And I'm still in the same location, which used to be a one bedroom apartment that I converted into a restaurant. Can I challenge this one location thing though? Yeah. Because from where I sit, you are not in one location. You went from one to 50. You went from one to the World Trade Center to Gracie Mansion. Okay, I'll receive that. We set expectations, right, of what's going to happen based on our original idea of what something will be. And I do think it can be so exhausting to measure ourselves against the original vision instead of allowing ourselves to measure our success against the unfolding. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. I try to be in a positive gratitude. But the truth of the matter, it's a business. There is a number. There is a benchmark for success that I haven't felt like I haven't reached yet. I need to be able to show significant, you know, show profitability in certain areas. And the business is going, is is doing that. There are other things. It's double bottom lines. One thing I didn't mention yet, which is the heart and soul of why I show up every day and why I love the business is that we also host a community fridge, two fish, five loaves, community fridge. It started during the George Floyd protest. There was a bunch of community organizers and protesters occupying City Hall and the local organizers wanted to feed them. So they came to us and said, hey, we see that you're a local business owner and you have healthier food. So for weeks and weeks and weeks, we fed those folks. And then, of course, they was evacuated. A lot of the shelters were maxed. All of the food pantries was taxed. So these organizers came up with the idea of, well, let's just put a refrigerator outside. So I re-ran the electrical in my store and did an outside outlet. We put a refrigerator there. And that thing has grown. It is incredible. Like there's a documentary on it now. Hundreds of people are fed every week through that community fridge from the little old ladies in the community that every day come up with their little wagons. They put their rice and beans in there to big urban farmers who stock it. Haley Bieber and her team just came and stocked the fridge. Tanya Taylor, this designer, she came, her fall collection is now the fridge. She came and repainted the whole pantry with her full collection and stock the fridge. You cannot put a price tag on that. That will never show up on a balance sheet. You'll never see a profitability statement of anything concerning that fridge. It is just output. But it is, you know, one of those things that I have to remind myself, no, maybe the, the profit margins aren't where I want it to be, but there's a huge amount of profit coming out of that fridge. So many people just in and out and in and out, either putting stuff in or taking stuff out. It's an all demographic. People drive up in their beautiful cars and their Mercedes Benz and get out their car and take a withdrawal from that fridge. You never know what somebody's going through. And the fact that we get to do that there, I have to remember like, yes, that is a success. So if I say I haven't measured up to a level of success, that's one of the things I have to remember, you know, that 
getting done out of that little shop. Oh my goodness. I think it's the third time I've cried. I'm just so proud of you and so inspired by you. And my team can't do it without them. Thank you for making me remember that. You pour so much into everything that you do. There is no half-hearted, halfway engagement for Cam Williams. How do you pour back into you? A hundred percent my faith. I'm in my prayer closet. I close the door and they know not even to knock. So that's where I can go and really close up. And maybe I'm just going there for five or 10 minutes and sing spiritual songs. That's so beautiful. What an image. I love that. Yeah. It's that old idea of a room of her own, right? We need these spaces where we can be uninterrupted and where we can fully be with ourselves and nurture and nourish ourselves. Kim, thank you for all that you do in the world. I love watching the way you do what you do because you remind us all that if we can have trust, but there is enough time, there is enough business, there is enough money, there is enough knowledge. And all we have to do, all we have to do is just trust and stay true to our integrity. And we get to witness that in you in every aspect of your life. Oh, thank you. I love you. Uplifters. May we all remember that there is enough, that we are enough, and that we have these strong guts to guide us for a reason. And that if we just keep listening and showing up and trusting, our potential is limitless. Come on over to theupliftersspodcast.com where you'll hear more from Kim along with lots more research, ideas, tools, and techniques all designed specifically for you uplifters. Thank you for listening to the Uplifters Podcast. If you're getting a boost from these episodes, please share them with the uplifters in your life and then join us in conversation over at theupliftherspodcast.com. Head over to Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast and like, follow, and rate our show. It'll really help us connect with more uplifters and it'll ensure you never miss one of these beautiful stories. Mwah! Big love! sunshine with rosemary and tongue dwell in the perplexing though you find it vexing toss a star and hover be your own best lover relish in a new prime plant a tree in springtime dance without all hindsight bring the sun to twilight lift you up whoa Lift you up, whoa, lift you up, whoa, lift you up, lift you up, whoa, lift you up, whoa, lift you up, whoa, lift you up. Ha ha ha!
right? In the pre-chorus, uh, right? Uh -huh. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, stop crying. Mommy, stop crying. You're disturbing the peace. <laughs>